Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in with us here today. I do want to say at the very beginning, before we get started in just a minute, um, if you don't know already, most mornings I post little commentaries that I write every morning towards a Bible verse or a certain little text reference um, from Scripture. And it's just some thoughts towards it, generally attempting to be practical in nature. Um, if you don't know that already, make sure you go over to uh, the YouTube page. It's also on our Facebook program page um, if you're not joined there. And I will add this. I've been hearing that people are not getting um, notifications from when we're posting new videos because we've been putting a lot of stuff out over the last two or three weeks more so than normal. Um, and there's a lot of people are saying, I'm not getting notifications. I'm not... I'm not being told that new content's out. And so you may want to unsubscribe and subscribe or, or just make sure you do all the stuff to um, be notified of new content coming out because there, we've, we've increased our regularity, and I'm very thankful to have the time to do that right now. Hopefully it will stay that way. Plus, I will say, I am just, I'm just in a place right now. All of us have these seasons of our life that we could look back on and say, you know, that was just such an awesome season. For whatever reason, right now, I feel like Father is just opening my eyes to a million and one things in His Word. Like, I, I can't read anything and not just want to read more and want to study more and read historical accounts, accounts that springboard off of a certain other event in the Bible. And so, friend, I just want to say what I'm always repeating here. Make sure you are in love with Father's Word, with His incredible ways, and searching them out, Okay. Um, it, is, it is so important. I said all that I just did because what I'm going to talk about for the next 30 minutes or so is going to be um, an elaboration of what I wrote this morning that I post just in text form according to these two verses that we're going to read primarily, and we're going to add some others. But the question is, what is good? What is evil? And how can we even know today? It's 2024. No one that is in any kind of religious circle, Christian or otherwise, would, would debate the fact that the world is getting very dark, and, and evil is very front and center and prevalent and not really hiding in the shadows much anymore. But what I have talked about on this program for years is it, I'm not so concerned about that. I'm not so concerned about the condition of the world and the, the rise of um, you know dark music and satanic rituals within entertainments and sports and all. I'm not, I'm not as captivated. I don't have anything to do with that world. Um, I'm not ignorant of what's going on, but I don't, I don't, I'm not within that anymore. I don't find pleasure in that. Um, but many people do. And so in Christian circles, they highlight, oh, the, the Super Bowl halftime show was so dark. Oh, no, you're you're kidding me. Oh, my children. I had to explain to my children how what was what they were seeing and how evil it is. Okay, I've I've got some questions that have nothing to do with the Super Bowl and the halftime show. That's beside the point. But as this rise comes to my point, as this rise of darkness comes and becomes very prevalent and open and normal within cultures of, of this world, patterns of this world, my bigger concern, and I say this a lot here, is what is darkness masquerading as light, okay? Things that are still sourced in Hasatan, the evil one, the, the enemy and adversary of Yahweh and his ways. I'm more concerned with the stuff that 
people without discernment don't really give any thought or concern to. They are so distracted by pointing out the obvious evil, a lot of times the, the more light and, and pleasurable to the eye and senses darkness is overlooked and we miss it. And, and so to that point, that's one of the, one of the small points within this, um, but I want to read Romans chapter 12, verse 9, which says, Let love be without hypocrisy, detesting what is evil, holding fast to the good. Now, this is, of course, talking about love specifically, but this works in what we're talking about because the whole world and culture wants to tell us what love is. Love is this to that group of people. Love is this to that group of people. Love is uniting. Love is all-inclusive. Love is all-welcoming. Love is this universal spirit source where all men kind of hypothetically sit arm-in-arm and hug despite our differences. Now, the the danger within that is that has, of course, infiltrated um, modern-day Christianity. It has influenced and um, persuaded many believers to embrace a dark light, okay? An evil good. It looks good on the surface. It seems to unite people and bring people together. I hear with great regularity now within like popular culture Christianity um, where, where generally you just go with the wind of the Spirit is, is it's very inclusive. Like, well, the same Spirit that's in that lady over there is the same Spirit that's within me, so we have to come together in what? In love and be together, because that is somehow deemed a demonstration of Father's love. Now, I would say with great concern and caution, first of all, we have to test the Spirit's. We have to be sure that, in fact, we're talking about the same gospel, the same Messiah, the same function of the set-apart spirit. That is Holy Spirit, Kadosh. It is a spirit that is set apart and sets people apart who are, whether you look at it as an indwelling or an, a, a resting upon, um, reality. These people that are moved by the spirit and always have been throughout the word, are not just free to just do whatever, oh, well, what's the Spirit saying right now? A or B? We're going to talk about that. Um, But clearly, let love be without hypocrisy, yes. But it's detesting what is evil and holding fast to what is good. Without a proper definition to go to for what is evil and what is good, it is up for every man's discretion. It is up for personal idea, personal preference, and this is where we have landed right now in our culture in 2024 that is is not just outside of those claiming to be God's church. It has absolutely infiltrated it to its entirety. Now, we talked years ago about, I think it was two years ago, maybe three now, we did a series, we'll link to it here if I can find it, where we talked about the assimilation of the church, the assimilation of the religions of the world that are being Um, morphed into this one world system where everybody, what, walks in just love. What do you think love is? Well, this is what I think it is. God is love. It it started, I think, and I've talked about this, and and I've written pages and pages, most of it has not become public, um, towards the the Jesus revolution um, 
lie, really, which is just this hippie Jesus everybody hugs because we're all full of the Spirit, and let's just see what the wind of the Spirit says together, and ah, isn't, isn't God good? <laughs> I get very concerned about that, and we're going to talk about why in, in this um, message here. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And we could go through all these scriptures. I have not taken time. This, this was compiled in 15 minutes. There are uh, a list of scriptures that are about calling evil good and good evil. And the, this, this mixing of what Yahweh says is good, tov, pleasing in his sight, and what man thinks is good, um, according to their own understanding, according to their own perception, um, limited at best. And so we'll get to my commentary that I wrote this morning um, in more measure so we can kind of get this train moving down the road here seven minutes in. With every passing moment, culture, I would say both religious and secular both, culture is redefining what is considered good and what is considered evil. There is this constant updating, if you will, of what is morally evil and morally good with each passing generation. We see that throughout the timeline of history of, of all mankind, um, evil and, and just vile living and violence and rebellion is no new thing. It's no, there's nothing new under the sun with humanity. This has been recorded for us from when history even began. Now, the world lives as if there is little to no consequence for anything. Um, the religious church drags the paintbrush of grace all over everything. Nothing really matters. If you made a mistake, tell Jesus you're sorry, and you'll be okay. Um, repentance may be in, in verbiage, and, and I'm not saying this is everyone but me or anything like that, but I'm, I'm just saying the, the broad view of, of what Christian culture paints, like I said, the paintbrush is there's grace for that. There's grace for that. There's grace. We are given grace to be free unto doing whatever we feel Holy Spirit says is right today. And that just gets real dangerous when people are just immature and they don't know the word and they don't know how to hear Holy Spirit's voice and they don't know how to discern if Holy Spirit, if Holy Spirit, if the spirit they're hearing, let's be very precise, how do people know what the Spirit is saying inside of them coincides with what the Father has spoken through the Torah and the prophets? How do they know? If we, if we don't know the Torah and the prophets, if we don't know what was, what was preached from the seed of Moses that Yeshua said, when these, even when these vile men who are liars and, and, and hypocrites, when they're sitting on the seed of Moses, you do everything they say to do, if we, do, if we are ignorant of what truth is, if we are ignorant of what Yeshua told us to listen to and do, when Holy Spirit or a false spirit, we have to say, if a false spirit comes and says, do X, and we are ignorant of what is true, we will use our own perception, our own error to say, you know what? That seems right. And to, to our point specifically, that seems, seems good. But there is such danger in this living when we ask what's good and what, what is evil and how can we know. We will answer this here momentarily. And so 
denominations, belief systems, they're becoming more and more accepting of nearly all behavior and all practices. Now, I know not all, but friends, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but if you poke around for only 10 minutes um, on, on YouTube channels, you will see endless, endless examples of congregations reading the Bible and openly preaching and teaching against it through their own understanding and through their own twisting and through their own manipulating. Why? To redefine what is good and what is evil. This is, this is prominent. Now, these things are obvious. This is an obvious level. And then there are multiple levels underneath here that, again, to go back to where we started, that one has to really have their discernment elevated and, and active in their life because, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. That sounds, I mean, they read the Bible. <laughs> that sounds like it's true and good. But really, it's evil. We are just ignorant, and we don't know how to properly discern and define what is good and what is evil. Now, I would say that with these accept, this acceptance of, of these practices, I mean, just calling them, it's okay, it's okay. Jesus came to just liberate us from all these burdens and bondages of you know, restrictions and restraint. Um, we're freed unto just being who you be who you are, brother. Be who you are. Your sexual preference, your what you want to do, what you think is right. Is your conscience clear? Yes. Go with that. Just go with that. Holy Spirit's with you. And it's just it's it's just awful, really. It's sad that we've arrived here. But I would suppose and and, pre, and present to you for consideration that I believe in time all culturally appropriated religions will land here. Even evangelicals, eventually, even charismatic uh, evangelicals will land here eventually. It is the fruit of lawless living, and it's only a matter of time. It is only a matter of time as this, this tree of grace and freedom in the Spirit matures and begins to produce generations of fruit. Generations of fruit, okay? So what is our code of living then? I'm going to pause and take a drink, and I, I'm, I'm literally, I do this often. I'm giving you a chance to literally answer as if we're sitting here talking, which we can't do today. So what is your code of living? How do you know what is good and what is evil? You, your, yourself personally. For you, as you examine things in your life, in your family, in your neighbors, in your congregation of believers, if you gather with other people, hopefully on some level, who or what defines what is good to you, for you? Who defines what is evil? And again, to a point we are going to just really spend some time on is do we merely walk in Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit says yes or Holy Spirit says no to each one of us just individually. Like what is Holy Spirit saying to me right now? I'm not making light of walking according to the Spirit. I just really feel like we've mishandled that. I feel like we've really handle that in a very immature way of what that truly means. Because the Holy Spirit, Yeshua said he's going to send the Spirit to what? To remind us of what he said. And what he said, Yeshua, was what his Father says. Okay? And so, ultimately, and we say this a lot, I know, Holy Spirit is only confirming and repeating what the Father says. Well, how do we know what the Father said? 
We're going to answer that with scripture here momentarily. So my concern is with this, just us and the Holy Spirit and like personal decision making, yes, no, yes, no. I feel like we've made Holy Spirit's guidance some sort of mystical um, Ouija board type of activity. You know, like, just just a minute, I need to check with Holy Spirit. I've seen this now. I've seen it. Let's just ask Holy Spirit. <sighs> yes, okay. Yes, that's good. And friends, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, in an, in an era of, of hyper-spirituality, in a sense where where non-believers are very spiritual and feely and sensing, okay? This is very dangerous. What will set us apart? What will, okay, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. Set us apart. The Kadosh spirit is a set-apart spirit. So thereby, holy set-apart spirit functions by setting us apart, holy, okay, distinct within boundaries, within parameters of how to live, okay, for our good now, for our good. Why? So that we're not deceived and led astray, like the whole world will be in what? Even the elect, if possible, are going to be led astray, calling good evil, evil good, we could say. I think it's very applicable. So the question is, to get outside of this Holy Spirit, yes, oh, Holy Spirit, no, to make sure we're not operating in that. What did men do before us? What did they do? What did righteous ones like Abraham, Moses, and Noah do? What did men like these cling to? What? To do what? In order to define how to literally live and walk and make decisions of what is good and what is evil. What about the prophets? What about Yeshua himself? What was the pattern we saw in Yeshua himself? How did he learn how to live perfectly pleasing to the Father? What did he adhere to? What did he place his life in submission to, to govern his life? Was it just Holy Spirit? Was he so full of the Spirit that he could never sin? Well, he lived by the Spirit, so he didn't gratify the desires of the flesh, and that's, that's the verse. Yes, but what does that mean? What does it mean to walk according to the set-apart spirit? How do you do that? What does set-apart spirit say? Ah, here we are again. It speaks what the Father speaks, right? Just like the Son, which is the perfect demonstration of the human uh, example of a perfectly pleasing, righteous, upright, just human being. Yeshua himself learned how to live. Now, how about those on um, the other side of the resurrection, we'll say? Um the post-resurrection assembly of called out ones, what we have learned to call the church. What did these men leave behind, and what did they move towards? Okay? And here's a hint. Well, what did the Jerusalem Council say in Acts chapter 15? Because, again, I, and we say this a lot as well, we seem to overlook and jump past. We run right to the freedom that these people had, and the old Pentecost, and full of the Spirit, if we even understand what that means. And all these differing events that were taking place, which were incredible and were awesome, and people were coming in by the thousands into the faith. Well, what was the response for the, well, what now? 
Okay, here's the question. These people are coming in by the thousands and they're going to the leaders and they're saying, tell us what is good. How do we define, how do we find now, now, what is evil? And is there any way for us to know? Because we know, we know that the former way of living is not good in the sight of Yahweh. But what is? How do we know? What does the Jerusalem Council do in Acts chapter 15? They take them right to the heart of the Torah, as we've talked about so many times over the years here. And we'll just read it. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not cause trouble for those from the Gentiles who are turning to to Elohim. Oh, okay. See? See right there? (laughs) They're saying you don't have to do that burdensome law anymore because we don't want to trouble the people. Right? No, no, no. We have to keep reading. (laughs) Verse 20. But... Instead, we write to them that they should abstain from things contaminated by idols, abstain from sexual immorality, abstain from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had those who preach him in every city, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Present moment. In Acts chapter 15, he is, he, Moses, and we talked about this in the last episode. Well, who, who is Moses? What does it mean when the scriptures talk about that in the Newer Testament about Moses has been preached, okay? The Torah and the prophets. The Torah, okay? Like <laughs> the beginning of our Bibles was preached every Sabbath in the synagogue. To these individuals, okay? (laughs) Present moment in Acts chapter 15. Why? For it seemed good to Holy Spirit. Ah, it seemed good to the set-apart spirit. And to us, okay? First, step number one. It seemed good to Holy Spirit that we teach these men out of the book of Leviticus how to live. What is evil and what is good, okay? It seemed good to Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. Okay, well, if, if we stretch that to mean the Torah is abolished, then we missed what they just said because they took them to the Torah itself to define how to begin, begin, begin to walk. Okay, verse 29, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Guess what, friends? Those are requirements. Those are requirements in Messiah in Acts chapter 15. Those are things that are lines drawn, commands. If you do these things, if you start here, things will go good for you. Okay? Because why? You will learn by what's being taught in the synagogues from the seat of Moses. You will learn literally how to walk, how to live, how to begin your journey in Messiah as his set-apart holy people, okay? This isn't complicated. We've made it so. Um, So it continues. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and after gathering the congregation together, they delivered the letter. So I want to set the table on this and just spend another minute on it. And this may be a lengthy uh, episode. Let's put ourselves into the mind of these individuals. These people were, were, were convicted 
by their lifestyle on the other side of, of their encounter with the gospel, the full gospel that had been foretold by the prophets. And they, they were beginning to understand they had not just been invited to have a personal salvation experience. They were invited to become what? You who were formerly not a people have become a people. You can become Yahweh's people. You can do feasts. You can do tabernacles. You, you can do Passover, friend. You can come into the synagogue and you can hear the reading of the Torah, how to live. You can be called a child of Elohim through this incredible work of Yeshua Messiah. And so these people are are wondering, literally, literally now, we are spoiled here. We think we've already got it figured out. But these people understood the, the cost of coming out of who they were to become literally an entire new people. That's why the wording in the scriptures says things like a new creation, right? Like literally, you're a new creation because you were formerly a Gentile goyim, and now you are within the people of Yahweh Elohim, an eternal promised seed that goes all the way back to Abraham. That's you now. You're a new creation, friend. What? And so what did they do? Tell us how to live, please. Tell us what we do now, please. What is good? What is evil? And how can we even know? That's what these people were asking. And so in Acts chapter 15, these that had been entrusted to counsel and teach and train these individuals told them, quoted Leviticus, quoted the Torah, start here, and if you do these things, if you start here, you will do well, and it continues on. And they, so these people, the recipients of this instruction, this counsel, this wisdom, they received this letter, and this is what they say in verse 31. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement, friend. Do you hear what I'm saying? These people rejoiced because of the encouragement of being given a way to live through the Torah and the prophets on the seat of Moses from the heart of Leviticus. These people were told, friend, you can no longer do that. And you know what they said? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for telling us how to live. Thank you for telling us how to start to know how we will do well from here on because we don't know what to do now. Friend, do you know this reality? Have you thought of this before through this lens, through this consideration? Because when they had read this letter, being told what to abstain from, being told what they can no longer do now as people of Elohim, they rejoiced because of its encouragement, friend. Now put that in the lens right here. Put that over here with the Christianity that I have inherited. I'll only talk for myself. I was told that if that through what I was told errantly, if 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 I had been told by a pastor today, a pastor, a Christian pastor, if he tells me to if he goes and quotes Leviticus. And he says, Joel, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And if you abstain from these things and don't do them any longer, things will go well for you. The Christianity I have inherited would call that man a heretic. They would call him a heretic. You can't put bondage on me. You can't put bondage on me. You're a false teacher. Because in Jesus, 
I'm free, brother. But these people, okay, we have to focus on this. Why did they say that? They read these instructions that give them boundaries, limitations, and law. They, get, they are given law, a new covenant, New Testament law that was ancient old. <laughs> and they rejoiced because they found it encouraging, friend. They found it encouraging. This is a huge shift in our understanding. A huge shift. Let's continue. Like it or not, I would say the Jerusalem Council constantly pointed the assembly of Messiah back to Torah commands to learn how to live, to define what? What is good? What is evil? And how do we discern between the two? Because we don't know in ourselves. We don't know. So let's remember that some of these men that were in this Acts 15 event right here, let's remember the timeline, some of these men heard Yeshua with their own ears speak that all of what he came and fulfilled hung upon the Torah and the prophets. Hung upon. Not disconnected from, not removed from, not separate from, distinct from, different from, but rather hanging upon so they knew this is what Yeshua was saying the whole time. This was part of the prophecy of what would happen on the other side of Messiah coming and fulfilling his agency function of being the prophesied Savior. A demonstration that Yahweh is your salvation right here, right now in this form of a man. Incredible. Incredible, right? These ones that were coming into the faith rightly understood what most of us have just not. Let's just be humble. There's a very good way to walk in freedom. Yes, yes. That's why these men in this day, in Acts chapter 15, upon receiving a letter of law, rejoiced because they properly saw it as encouragement. Encouraging words, friend. They welcomed being told what they could no longer do in Messiah. What a, what a different gospel than what we've inherited, right? We do see that, right? We have received a Torah is burdensome gospel. <laughs> and Jesus came to set us free from the burden of the Torah. That is not what we see in Acts chapter 15. In any way whatsoever, we see people walking in freedom from their from their worldly ways, from the patterns of the flesh, from the ways of the nations that they had inherited lies from. They were set free in Messiah to set free unto keeping the law of Yahweh Elohim that was spoken from the seat of Moses in the synagogue. Oh man, what a wonderful age. I'd wish I could go back and just spend, a, I would love to go back and spend one feast cycle with these individuals that were coming into the, the fullness of the prophesied coming of Messiah, you can come and keep the feasts of Yahweh, just like the children of Israel. Incredible, friends. What an incredible revelation these people had of who they were becoming in Messiah. Incredible. And that's for us too here. That's for us too, if we want it. If we want it, but we say, I'm not talking about circumcision. Don't tell me about feast. Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus fulfilled all that. I don't need any of that. Oh man, what a grievous thing. What a grievous place in our heart. And there, you, there I would say, consider this friend. Is that the enemy's way of using Yahweh's ways 
okay, his own beautiful, wonderful, exalted ways that are to be memorialized for all generations forever. Now, now people who claim to know Jesus and walk like Jesus call good evil. Those ways are not good. Those are evil ways. That's bondage and burden, and Yeshua set us free. That's what I'm talking about. I hope this is making sense as it comes out of my mouth. Um, so moving on, we'll be getting to a conclusion here momentarily. It would do us well to be a discerning people in this age. Be careful to believe the lie that Christianity is somehow above being duped by the enemy with darkness masquerading as light and evil being called good and things like Yahweh's Torah, which is awesome and good. We've been told it's perfect. No, that's evil. That's a burdensome law. We have to be careful. We will all be next if we're not being cautious. To what? To learn what Yahweh himself says is good. What he says is evil. Our opinions, our ideas, our cultural vantage points mean absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. (laughs) He alone defines what is right. And friends, we have been shown in his word if we, if we are careful to read a translation that is accurate and true, we've been told what is good and what is evil. So what about us? In conclusion, we'll bring this to an end here in a couple of minutes. How do we today, how do we know? This far removed, it's been a, it's been a while, friends, since Acts chapter 15. A lot has been forgotten, replaced, and abandoned. Most of us have been birthed into a state church religious mindset, whether it's Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical, Spirit-driven. It's all the same pool, friends. It's all the same pool, okay? (laughs) It's all the same. It has abandoned and walked away with replacement theology thinking to say somehow that the Torah and the prophets are archaic and no longer applicable to people like us and Jesus Through this lens of what I'm saying, according to Acts 15, and what these people responded with to what they were told, is that true? Is that true? If we only allow the word, not our own doctrinal preferences, to say anything, I would say, how do we know what is good? How do we know what is evil? Can we know? I say say that we will find out the same way that those righteous men before us knew. Deuteronomy chapter 30. 10 through 16, in closing. When you listen to the voice of Yahweh your Elohim to keep his commandments and to keep his statutes that are written in the scroll of the Torah, when you turn to Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul, for this, and this is Yahweh speaking now, for this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you nor is it far off. It is not in the heavens that you should say, who will go up for us to the heavens and get it for us, and have us hear it so that we may do it. Nor is it across the sea that you should say, who will cross over for us to the other side of the sea and get it for us and have us hear it so that we may do it. No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and it's in your heart to do it. Verse 15, see, I have set before you today, Yahweh says, I have set before you today life and good 
and also death and evil. What I am commanding you today is to love Yahweh your Elohim, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, to keep His statutes, and to keep His ordinances. What does that sound like? We just went through talking about Abraham, who did what? This is covenantal language. This is Abrahamic covenant language. For Abraham and his promised offspring seed. Okay. Again, no new ideas, no new commandments, no new laws, a perpetuity of covenant language from a covenantal father to a covenantal people that he chose to start anew as a set-apart literal nation of people who are men of faith like Abraham, who did what? What is faith? What is faith according to the word? Keeping commandments, keeping statutes, keeping ordinances just like Abraham, our father. So, we have been told all throughout the word of Elohim, by Yahweh himself. Okay, Yahweh, just to be clear in case anybody's not tracking, because we get people from all over the spectrum of belief here on the program. When Deuteronomy rolls into town, Yahweh is spelling out a code of living, a Torah law, that is exactly how, it. it this is a, Deuteronomy version of Acts chapter 15. Let's simplify. Here is what you do. Here is what you don't do. Acts 15 is, to be specific, is saying, this is where you start, friends. This is how you start to walk out a life that things will go good for you. This is where you begin. Deuteronomy is giving a lengthy, detailed list of an overreaching way to walk with specifics to become a set-apart righteous people for holy uh, for Yahweh Elohim, for him, set apart for him, okay? And so as he gives these, these mitzvot, these commandments, the way to walk, his statutes, his ordinances, which again I talked about in the Before Mount Sinai series, these pre-existed Mount Sinai. It pre-existed Deuteronomy 22 because as we're, as we're referencing, Abraham, he already did this, excuse me, Abraham walked, in Yahweh's commands, his ordinances, his statutes. Abraham did that. It's not like they showed up at Mount Sinai. These are pre-existent um, um, ways to live. But Yahweh gives this list, a detailed list now. Just a list of this is, this is what you do. This is what sets you apart unto me. If you want to be my people, yes and amen. Here is how. Here's how you do it. I mean, <laughs> he's an awesome father. And so he's, he gives these, these ordinances, these laws, these statutes, these commandments, and then he says, by the way, this isn't too hard for you. It's not across the other side of the sea. I can't, I can't even get over there. Why'd you give me a burdensome law no man could keep? No, son, I didn't. It's not over there. It's right here. It's what? It's near to you. And we know the covenantal promises for the new covenant that's in, in Ezekiel. We know what's told to us is about... The, the Torah of Yahweh Elohim is going to be moved upon the hearts of men. It is, that is the new covenant of re, uh, um, a relocation of what was on tablets of stone moved into the hearts of men. It's all prophesied. It's all told to us. It's announced to us clearly. So Yahweh does this, and then he says, See, I have set before you today what is good and what is evil. 
And so, friends, here's the culmination of this whole thing. As we ask this question today, what is good, what is evil, and how in the world can we even know? Can we know today? Who in the world can know what is good and evil? Go to Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy. Why? Because Yahweh, the Creator Most High, He said, I have set before you today. So here's the, here's the Torah that Yahweh Himself gave to men. Here is the Torah for pretending. He gives that to you. He sets it out in front of you today. And he says, I have set before you what is good and what is evil. Want to know what good is what is good and what is evil? Okay. I've given you a way to know. <laughs> so, friends, we have to study this. We're ignorant. I am so ignorant of what Yahweh calls good and what he calls evil. I am so ignorant. Perhaps you are as well. So, may we find Yahweh's counsel, his instructions, and his commandments. Then may we walk in them in the pattern of our father Abraham, a covenantal man who sojourned keeping, guarding, preserving Yahweh's wonderful ways. Then maybe we can be solidified as some of his prophesied seed and be counted worthy to bear Yahweh's great name. The world is growing darker. Yes and amen. That's nothing new. Let's not be let's not be so distracted and focused on that. Oh, the world. Yes, it is what it is. But what about us? What about us? I don't live according to the patterns of the world. That's not my code of living. So let's walk in the light. Why? So that we will be able to test and know what is good and what is evil. You've been watching the Path Design podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining in today. Join into the, the uh, discussion should one unfold here. Thank you so much for watching. Oh, yeah. Do the subscribe. Do the notifications um, so you know about new programs here today. Thank you for watching. Amen.